Welcome again to our listeners. I'm Danny Torres, host of the Talking 21 podcast and part of the Our Esquina Podcast Network. Well, I can't believe we're wrapping up our final episode for season two, but I will say this. Our next guest had a direct connection with Roberto Clemente. Not only were they briefly teammates in the remaining weeks of the 1972 season, but for Jose Fernando Gonzalez, his life will forever be intertwined with the great one. Signed by the Seattle Pilots in 1968, this former infield had an impressive start in the minors and would finally make his major league debut on September 15th, 1972. Not only did Gonzalez play six seasons in the big leagues with the Pirates, Padres, Royals, and Yankees, he also played for five teams in the Puerto Rican Winter League. But sadly, on December 31st, 1972, a fatal accident occurred off the shores of Puerto Rico. Those passengers on that ill-fated humanitarian flight to Nicaragua would include his good friend and teammate, Roberto Clemente. The subsequent days, Fernando Gonzalez was there to witness those uncontrollable tears and an unbearable sadness that permeated across the entire island of Puerto Rico and in the city of Pittsburgh, where they both played. But you'll also hear a heartfelt story about the last time he saw his friend alive. Our listeners won't be the least surprised to hear Roberto Clemente was conducting a baseball clinic for over 300 kids in Aguadilla, Puerto Rico. The date, December 27th, 1972. And wait till you hear what Clemente did from what we know this would be his final act as a ball player. It was a sorrowful day for Fernando and he will never forget. And millions still cannot believe this 38-year-old man from Carolina, Puerto Rico, who played 18 seasons for the Pittsburgh Pirates, was a beloved figure on and off the field, a champion for the common man who left this world in such an unexpected manner. We miss him dearly. And now, here's my conversation with former Pittsburgh Pirates infielder, Fernando Gonzalez. Well, Fernando, thank you so very much for joining us on the Talking 21 podcast. You know, one of the questions that I always ask our guests, who introduced you to this beautiful game of baseball? I just uh, uh, knew about baseball, about the radio. I used to uh, listen every Sunday uh, for the baseball games in Puerto Rico. You know, I was a fan since I was a, a little kid. Uh, I remember I used to go to the to the church at uh, 10.45, they used to start the Lobo Hoyos in Puerto Rico, and I used to be a fan of San Juan Senators. Okay. That's the way uh, I started, you know, by myself. And then, and that was it. And then I uh, I, I got to, went to the ballpark in Arecibo for the baseball team, the Lobos, and I wanted to be the bad boy. They told me yes, and that's how everything started. And and Fernando, what year are we talking about when you were the bad boy? What year? 1961, 62, around there. Okay, okay, okay. So when the Pittsburgh Pirates won the World Series in 1960, so that was really, in a way, your introduction to baseball in the early 1960s. So, Fernando, growing up in Puerto Rico, what are your earliest recollections of the Puerto Rican Winter League? Because I know when we originally spoke, you told me you played for five teams in Puerto Rico. Can you tell me some players that you played alongside with as well? In Puerto Rico, I remember uh, one of the managers that I was uh, here was uh, Octavio Cookie Rojas. He used to play uh, a second base, uh, you know, from the uh, Kansas City Royals and Philadelphia, a great ball player. Uh, he was one of the best uh, players that I met. By that time, I was the bad boy. And then uh, many years later, we were traveling in an airplane in about 1974. Okay. Uh, he was sitting next to me. By that time, I was his teammate with the Kansas City Royals. Okay. And I, I, I asked him, do you remember me? I said, well, you play with... I said, I didn't play with anybody. I used to be the bad boy when you was the manager. <laughs> and then uh, 
I remember I didn't play with Tony Oliva, but I saw him play in Puerto Rico. Uh, a lot of uh, guys from the old baseball, like Edwin Charles, Lee May, and uh, Tommy Aaron was a Hank Aaron brother. Yeah, all those yeah. guys. I was too young. I didn't play with them, but I remember. And then uh, in Arecibo was then uh, Clemente was a player when I when I when I, when I start playing, you know, with, uh, with the San Juan. And I, I, I used to watch him go to right field, and I just wanted to talk to him. Or maybe we'll say hello or something like that. But, uh, you know, like I was not his teammate. Clemente was very serious. If you didn't know him, he was going to go there to play ball, you know. That, that's what he got. He, he, he was thinking about the game. And then I met uh, Orlando I, You know, you know I, I heard that. Excuse me, friend. I heard that often about him, that he was a very... Very, very, very serious uh, individual person that uh, when it was time to play baseball, uh, there was no chit chat. It was, uh, let me go to work. And uh, yeah. you got that experience with him. Yeah. One one day I asked him, Roberto, you know, so we had a guy who played in the minor leagues and was training in Arecibo. And he said he didn't want to play right field because he, he could he could get hurt. And he was a prospect. Talking about a minor, a minor league ball player that was playing in Arecibo. Right. And then Clemente started the game and he was going to right field. I said, you know who the guy is? That's Roberto Clemente. And he's going to play tonight. What do you think? He keeps his mouth shut for the rest of the night. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, then I said, Roberto, you're not afraid that you can get hurt. Uh, he said, Fernando, if I go to the field, I'm going to play hard every time. That's the only way I know how to play. If I don't want to play hard, I just don't play. That's, uh, that's that's amazing. The way he, uh, he was about baseball. Well, I'm going to ask you another question, Fernando. And this is someone that I wish I had an opportunity to have met, to have had an opportunity to speak with him. That's Pancho Coimbra. And Roberto, from what I'm told, Roberto used to always say Pancho was better than me. What can you tell me about Pancho Coimbra? See, I never saw Pancho play. I remember Pancho was the one who went to my house to ask me that uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the farm director, you know, by that time it was uh, uh, Pete Peterson, and how we had, you know, the famous scout. Yeah, scout, yeah, scout. They was gonna come to Puerto Rico for, for me to try out with them in 1971, that was the year that I sang with them. Okay. And the, he asked me, and I knew who he was, you know, uh, he went to, he came to this house that uh, you're talking to me now, he came to the house and say, Okay, they're going to be here that day, and they expect it for you to be there. You're going to be there. I was like, sure, uh, I'm going to be there. I went to that tryout, and uh, how we had was the, the one who talked to me all the time. He speak a little bit of Spanish. By the time, I, I knew some English because uh, uh, I learned English, especially when I was the bad boy with the, the other guys. He saw me running, and he threw me taking ground balls into first base. And when I was getting ready to hit, you know, to show off what I could do, he said, no, no, you don't want to hit. And I saw he was not, he's not, he was not going to sign me. And then why? He said, because we are going to sign you. And you, in two years, you're going to be in the big leagues. He told me, I'm out of baseball. This is this is, this is is Pancho telling you this directly, Fernando. Is Pancho no, saying this? How we hack. Okay, how we hack. Okay, how we hack. Okay. You know, that, 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 that's, uh, you know, one of the best scouts. In sure. the history of base, and he told me that I was going to be in the big leagues in two years. He, ne he, he didn't even see me hit. He just saw me throw to first base, take ground balls, and run 60 yards. That was it. Then I was wow. thinking inside my head, you know, he didn't even see me. The, but then he was wrong. It didn't took me two years to get to the big leagues. It took me one year and five months because at the end of 1972, I was I joined the 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 team. That Roberto was there in Montreal sure. at the end of the year in 1972. I played double A. I had a great spring training, my first spring training with a big club. I hit in a game, I hit two homers and unbelievable, you know. And Roberto was there in that spring training. Okay. And I was the uh, Ken Griffey, Dan Grissom, you know, that, that league was loaded with talent. And I was fighting the batting title until the end with uh, Ken Griffey and that reason and all the guys that I used to play with them who was like, a great hitter, you know. At the end, I leaked the league in hitting. I was the MVP of the team. I was the MVP of the league too. 
And then at the end of the year, I find out that over a thousand ball plays in the minor league, I was the number two in the whole minor league system. Wow. The number one I remember was Tom Pashorek. He used to play for the White Sox. Uh, White Sox that's, uh, that's, that's pretty impressive. But you know, Fernando, it's interesting, even as you are sharing your first interaction with Roberto, being a part of the Pittsburgh Pirates organization. So here it is that you, uh, in 1968, you signed with the Seattle. You eventually became, uh, uh, that actually, excuse me, that eventually became the Milwaukee Brewers. So they were only in existence as, an, as, as a franchise for one year, the Seattle Pirates. So when you're released by the Brewers and you signed with the Pirates in 1971, what was your reaction knowing that you were going to a World Series championship team. What were your initial reactions that you were going to be a part of the Pittsburgh Pirates? Well, uh, I remember I had a manager uh, my first year, and uh, I, I still remember his name and his last name. And then I was, that was the guy that uh, that I knew that he released me. And uh, I got hurt. I heard one of my uh, running, sliding home plate. I hit a triple. Right. I wasn't making a homer. I sprained my ankle. Then I got hurt. And next year when I went to screen training, uh, I was with, uh, I don't know, we got released about uh, uh, 50 or 60 guys because they just have a, a, a class A team, a triple A team, and the big league team. Mm -hmm. uh, we had more than 50 guys. We got released that that year. Then when I signed with Pittsburgh, I said, listen, <laughs> I got released with a standard team, and now I signed with the best team in the world, and I made yeah. it to the big league yeah. in less than two years. Yeah, yeah. And the guy that released me, he was managing by that time with Montreal against me in that league that I was the MVP. And I leaked the league in hitting. And the teammates... When we went to the All-Star game, I made the All-Star game. They said, Fernando, he didn't care if you guys beat us. He just wants us to get you out. And we threw you at you. We threw behind your head. You say, and you keep hitting line drives all over the place. <laughs> and I had a great year. You know, you know, that's I was very happy because sure. the guy released you. And then I proved him that I guess that he was wrong. You know, you made your major league debut September 15th, 1972 with the Pittsburgh Pirates. So you only had two at-bats. And I believe, Fernando, you struck out in those two at-bats. But what immediately comes to your mind when you finally get the call? Every Major League Baseball player looks forward to that. In many years in the minors, in your, in your particular instance, not that you were many years in the minors, uh, using you as an example specifically, but September 15th, you're called up. Again, Fernando, bring me back now 50 years. What, what immediately comes to mind? Who did you call? Did you call your family? I mean, what, what is it that your recollections of 50 years ago? Well, I went to the office in Sherbrooke, Canada, and I was going to take my ticket to, to uh, come back to Puerto Rico. And then the guy, okay. the, the, there was a lady, he said, well, uh, she said, you're going to go to Montreal. I said, but I, I don't live in Montreal. I live in Puerto Rico. He said, no, you got to go to Montreal because you got to join the big league club. Wow. That's when I knew that they was going to send me to the big league. They never told me. Wow. Even I had that grade of a year, I, I, I find out that day, that day, I won, you know, the first one that uh, that I called was my mother. You know, hey, I could to go to the big league, you know, so, so <laughs> happy. I got that stop, I couldn't wait, you know. I remember that I had a, a girlfriend in, in Canada and she drove me to the, the, the hotel in Montreal. I got there the night before. The, right. the team was going to go there they're going to be there that night. I got very early. I checked in the hotel. And early in the morning, I knew the guys were there. Then uh, the first one I called was Jose Pagan. He was a, a great guy, you know, a yeah, very smart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a great guy, very smart ball player. And, you know, uh, you know, he's a, uh, one of my best, the, the best ball player that I played with. And then he was my coach next year in the party. He helped me out a lot. And then I called him about 10 o'clock in the morning. He said, hey, we just got here about 3 o'clock in the morning, man. You know, he knew me from screen training. He said, call us back. You know, I couldn't wait. And then I wake him up. And then finally, 
I go to the ballpark. That's when I meet Clemente and all those guys. I already meet Clemente because I, I, I met him when I was in the minor league. Sure, sure. He used to talk to us. He, he used to talk to us hours in the afternoon after the workout. Yeah. And then, you know, that, that's what I that's what I, I got to the big leagues. That, that's the, the, the first memory I got when I got to the hotel. When I called him, finally, I get to go to Jari Park. And that was my first day with the big league club. Wow. So after the Pittsburgh Pirates... You play for the Padres, the Royals, and of course the Bronx Bombers, the New York Yankees in 1974. Now, Fernando, I don't know if you know this, but and I know we spoke, uh, you know, a few days ago. That I grew up in the Bronx, but I cheered for the Mets, and I actually shared a story with you as to why my father raised the entire yeah. family to be Met fans, and we know that player by the name of Victor Peyo, Big Power. What was your experience like playing with the Bronx Bombers? And I know you also shared this to me, and our listeners are going to love hearing this, that you were instrumental in the early years with the great Bernie Williams. So your thoughts on playing with the Pirates, uh, excuse me, with the Yankees in 74, and your immediate impressions of a young Bernie Williams. Okay. Uh, when I went to the Yankees, uh, I was playing with, uh, I was traded in spring training. Jack McKeon managed me in Puerto Rico. I had a great year in Puerto Rico. And, you know, he just, I knew he liked me a lot. And they, he made a deal. He was a manager in Kansas City. Okay, I go to spring training with Kansas City. I remember that I was working out with a guy that maybe you don't know, George Brett. Oh, of course. <laughs> I know George Brett. He was he was a rookie, and then we was. I remember the bat he was using. He was using a K55, 32 ounces. I remember like he was there yesterday. I still go to to uh, uh, for Meyer, you know, for baseball, and uh, I play a lot of uh, senior leagues now. And I remember that I was working out with him, and then I made the big the, the ball club, and they sent him to AAA. Okay. And uh, that was the first month they wanted to bring him up. They was gonna they released Porchard, who was the, the, the regular third baseman. And I made the, the ball club, but I was not playing every day. They decided that give me a chance to George to play third base. And then I talked to Jan McKeon. I said, Jack, I came here from the Pirates. You know, he's a, one of the best teams in the world. And I don't want to sit in the bench in Kansas City because there was a second division team. Sure. Uh, I talked to Jack. He said, Jack, if it's possible, you can make a deal for me with somebody else. And then he said, Fernando, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I know you want to play. I know you was, you're a good ball player. And he talked to the GM. And finally, he mentioned a few teams that were interested in me. And I picked the Yankees. Oh, okay. Uh, you picked the ball. Yankees. All right. Them. Yeah. But one of the reasons that I picked them was because I was in New York. And the manager of the Yankees was Bill Bildon, who was my manager in Pittsburgh. And he yeah, knew me. Yeah. He was the one who who, uh, who brought me to New York, Bill Burden. And okay. I got to New York. I sit in the bench the first night. The second the, the second day that I get there, I start playing every day second base. So they give me a chance to play, and I play almost every game uh, since I got there. I didn't know who the Yankees were. I didn't know the history, the history of the Yankees. It was like uh, a team that I was going to play. You know, that, that was it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I knew yeah. the New York Yankees. That was a good team. I was the top. But by the time I, I didn't know the, their history and all the ball players and everything that I know now that, that I play with them and then I work with them like an instructor and a scout and all sure. that stuff. Now I know that. Before I didn't know. Well, you mentioned something else to me, uh, which I think our listeners would appreciate. That was at the time where Yankee Stadium was being renovated. So help me out, Fernando. Did you even play in the old Yankee Stadium or you were exclusively at Shea Stadium in my home borough, Queens. No, I, I just play at the Shea Stadium. Like I told you the other day, I was I have been one time at the Yankee Stadium. I was one day I went after the season. I went to the to the clubhouse uh, because uh, the clubhouse it was with us in the big leagues in, in Shea Stadium. And before I came down to Puerto Rico, I went that day and I saw the 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 the, the, the stadium inside. But that was the only day that I have been in the because that year that I played in the American League that I played with the Yankees, like I told you, we played the Chase Stadium. Yeah. Next year I come back to Pittsburgh Pirates in '75, and I went back to the National League. So I didn't. I never played 
never play a game in the, the, the Yankee Stadium. That's that's crazy. And I would love to know, Fernando, if you're the only one that holds that, that distinction, that you were part of the New York Yankees, but did you not? You did not play at the old ballpark. You played only at Shea Stadium. I think that's something we have to find out. And again, um, uh, Fernando, I love the story that you were sharing with me on getting to know the great Bernie Williams. Could you share for our listeners uh, getting to know a young, what, 16 okay, to 17 year old Bernie Williams? Before we start with Bernie, because I, would, I, would talk, I could be talking to Bernie for the next two or three hours. Because sure, 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 sure. Great guy, a great ball player. Something that happened with me, the Yankees. When I'm with the Yankees, they used to have the Mayor's Trophy game. That's true. Yes, yes, yes. And that's I, true. Then I was when I was with the Yankees, I was hurt. I got hurt in Puerto Rico, and I thought I was going to be okay. And I keep playing and playing. I have my left hand. I couldn't swing the bat good. I was going to, you know, I couldn't hit the ball good. I was great defense, but I, I was not, you know, not the, the kind of hitter that I was. That day, that day that we played the Mayor's Trophy game, that was more than 40,000 fans at the stadium. Yeah. But that was a very important game. That was the only way we play. And that night, I hit a grand slam. <laughs> really? I hit a grand slam. <laughs> I didn't know. I'm watching a game in Puerto Rico. And last year, uh, they, you know, now they're playing uh, New York spring training. They play yeah. the Mets and the Yankees. And they're talking of the various trophy games and history. And they, they show uh, Mickey Mantle, uh, they show uh, Joe DiMaggio, Sherman Monson, all those guys. And then I see myself that showing my picture <laughs> uh, scoring when I hit the Grand Slam. You remember the know, picture, I, Fernando? Who was the picture you hit the Grand Slam off? You remember? Yeah, I don't I don't remember the name, but the only thing I know is I know that now I the only one in the history that hit a Grand Slam in the major trophy game. Nobody else, not even Mickey oh, Mantle, not even wow. Joe DiMaggio, not even... Uh, so so look, at, look at, now look at this distinction, Fernando. Not only that you were part of the Yankees, but you didn't play at Yankee Stadium, you played at Shea Stadium, and here it yeah. is in the Mayor's Trophy game, you're the only one to hit a grand slam. Come on, that's that's, that's pretty cool. In the history, I didn't know that. I find out yeah. many years after that, 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 that's that I uh, cool, cool. play with them, you know. And now going with Bernie now after I retired from, from the big leagues, ended up playing in Puerto Rico, and then they named me the GM in Puerto Rico. Then okay. I'm a player because I was young, 30 something years old, and they named me a GM at the same time. But that by that time I was working with the Yankees in Sarasota, I was an infrastructure. Then okay. I, I met that young guy. He, I was taking care of about a group of about nine guys that, that were from Puerto Rico and Latin America. And we stay we stay in Sarasota in the in the, the, the motel all together with some of the players from Texas, like Juan Gonzalez, uh, Sammy Sosa, and there was some guy from the White Sox. You know, they 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 all used to got used that uh, uh, Sarasota at the field. Okay. And then I meet Bernie after uh, and then so then I had to teach Bernie about hitting and switch hitting. I used to work a lot with him. I, I, I bring him every day to the ballpark, and I used to talk to him all the time. Benny was kind of shy. He was always a smart guy, but he didn't talk that much. And I used to tell Bernie, you got to be aggressive. You, like I told you the day, the day is three strikes. You got to swing, swing three times. Don't give a pitcher never one strike. Because if it's tough to hit with three strikes, it's tougher than hit with two strikes. All those things. If you talk to Bernie now, he'll remember. I used to tell him all the time. I said, and I'm going to tell you, Bernie, you're going to be a superstar in the big league. And he looked at me like that, you know? Yeah. I said, that's right. You're going to be a superstar in the big league. So you're going to be a great ball player. So you better start doing from now all the things. because, And that's how we start with Bernie. And then I brought Bernie. I make a deal. I get two big leaguers. And I involved my first deal, like a GM in Puerto Rico. And I involved Bernie Winia to take him to Arecibo. That was the team that I was the GM. And the main reason that I made that deal was Bernie Williams. He just came from the uh, rookie league. So he played there. And then in Puerto Rico, I named him the regular center field for the Arecibo Lobos. Okay. But in Puerto Rico, by that year, all we got were big leaguers. You know, not, it's not like now. Mm -hmm. that they don't they don't even play any, yeah, here anymore. Yeah, no, but yeah. I, Big leaguer over the place here in Puerto Rico, and the rest of Bernie, history. Yeah, the know, rest is history. Yeah. Next and year we went back with him. They, they sent him to Double A. They, they, 
the A ball, the other, and then he went up and you know the history now. Yeah, you know, so much history uh, on the island of Puerto Rico. And Fernando, you got a chance to see someone up close. And this year marks the 50th anniversary of the sad and tragic death of Roberto Clemente on New Year's Eve on a humanitarian mission. But a few days before that accident, you were with Clemente in Aguadilla, Parque Colón. He helped organize the baseball clinic and was raising funds for Nicaragua. What were your memories of seeing him at Parque Colón? Because I also know this, Fernando, uh, a friend of mine, uh, a writer, someone that you know, Ricardo Olivencia, he located the pitcher who actually was on the pitcher's mound that day. And his name, as you know, is Pinchi Villanueva. So tell our listeners exactly what happened that day in Parque Colón. You know, Roberto was, uh, I was with him in the clinics, uh, all the ball players, but that was a one-man show. The people just want to see Roberto Clemente. And Roberto, he loved to talk to the people. He loved to talk to the young guys. He loved to teach the young guys. And after he finished the clinics, the people, hey, Roberto, we want to see you hit. And Roberto, he never want to show up in the clinics. He just want to teach them. No, no. And finally, he had to say yes because they didn't let him go. And then he went and swing the bar. He had a line drive to left field. And that ballpark, I played double-A baseball in that ballpark. Okay. That ballpark huge. And the wind used to blow it's close to the ocean in from left field to home plate. That was very difficult to hit the ball out to left field. And that's when, when Roberto hit a line drive. I guess they still got Roberto pitchers in that in the picture in that wall. Yeah. And Parque Colón. They, they still they don't use it for baseball double A anymore, but still there. My son play RBI baseball in the in that ballpark. And Roberto hit that line drive, that ball won like a bullet. And after that, he put the bat down. That was it. <laughs> you know, that was the last <laughs> thing he in the bat before he died, you know. I uh, and know. I heard, and I and I heard that, uh, and I haven't had a chance to speak to Pichi uh, yet, but I had heard that he had told him, "Tiralo duro, throw it hard," and look what he ended up doing because you were there to witness it. So here it is. That was December twenty seventh, Fernando, and a few days later, after the plane accident. Uh, which sadly, uh, not only Clemente, but other passengers perished. It was you, Manny Sanguian, our dear friend, uh, Luis Mayoral. And of course, I've known Manny for quite some time as well. You were by the shoreline after the accident, hoping, like so many that were there by the shoreline in Puerto Rico, that Clemente had survived. The entire island was praying, rezando, that if he was still alive, you know, Fernando, I know this is tough, especially because the anniversary is approaching, but I would love, if you can, to share for our listeners, what are your recollections of the days after that accident? Okay, I, I am. I was sleeping in my house, and one of the small writers called me, and then they asked me, what can you tell us about Roberto? Uh, New Year's, and he asked me that, and I said, why? And then he said, well, because uh, you don't know what happened. Last night, I said, no, listen, I was, you know, I, w I was out all night with my family, and I'm, you're the first one to wake me up with this phone call. What happened to Roberto? And then he explained to me, well, he, he tried to, 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 get, to get off to, to go to Nicaragua. His plane went down, and we still, nobody has finding him. I said, that right? Then I, I just get up and got up and took a shower. I don't remember if I took a shower, put my clothes on, and we went to Roberto's house in Carolina. When I get there, there was a lot of people over there, a lot of people, you know, people from old church, uh, mentalists, uh, all kind of people, and, you know, uh, a few of the teammates uh, that day, because I was one of the first days to get there, I was with the major of Arecibo, Frank Hernandez, Colón, by that time, he was with me, he was a a broadcaster, and he, you know, he broadcast the, the game for the receiver logos. And I remember that we look all over the place in San Juan from him because that guy said, he's in that place. And we were, almost went to La Perla. By that time, that, that place was a very dangerous at night. At about five o'clock, we were looking for him over there at the beach. Nobody, nobody knew. 
uh, Roberto body never never found it. They found uh, some part of the plane. They I guess they find a pilot. The pilot all that though, but Roberto until today nobody knew. No, 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 nobody know where you know where he was. They could not find him, and that was you know very sad because uh, uh, you know what Roberto means. Especially for me that uh, he was one of my idols and I was a, a, a little boy in, 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 in Atobiao, that was the, the place that I, that I rest. You know, that was a, what's going to be next year with a Roberto in peaceful, you know, that, that was the first thing that I, that I, that I saw by that time. And I'm, 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 I'm wanting to really know 1973, they retire his number. There's a ceremony in April of 73. Doña Vera que de Cancen Paz, uh, one of Clemente's close friends. I don't know, uh, Fernando, if you knew this man, Phil Dorsey, who uh, his son is still alive, that I've gotten to know very well. He was on our podcast. Uh, Bob Prince, uh, yeah. the voice of the Pittsburgh Pirates. But they had a ceremony, the Galbraith family, uh, Dan and John Galbraith, the owners of the Pirates. They had a ceremony when they retired his number, Manny actually in that game played right field. But what was your sense of the ball club that their leader was no longer on that team in 1973? What are your recollections? Well, I remember like it was at the beginning of this year, uh, one of the one school writers called me and he asked me that question. I said, Fernando, you were there, 73, when they retired the number. You know, it was uh, almost 50 years ago. And by that time, I started thinking about what happened that day, and uh, the first I remember was I remember Vera with the two uh, with the two childs in the in her arm. You know they were at the home plate uh, at the beginning of, of the game. The whole family. I, I remember always that Vera with a uh, with a uh, Robertito and his other boy. And the other thing I remember is I never saw the ballpark so full, more than forty thousand fans. And you know, by that time, there were not too many people who used to go to the game in Pittsburgh. Maybe uh, 15, 20, when we play like teams like Cincinnati and, and Philadelphia and LA, there were some good teams. Okay, but we got some bigger crowd. But that night, it was the best, the first time that I saw the whole stadium uh, full of fans, you know? And when they, uh, we just uh, lined in first base and third base, both teams, I remember, was the Cardinals. And uh, I know uh, Torito Melende was there, and there was a, a couple of guys from uh, Puerto Rico. And then when they, they, I remember they played the Puerto Rico national anthem. And then I, I just got like goosebumps. It's the first time I heard the anthem in the United States. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, everything you, you know, you, you hear, they say. But that was the first time. And I remember that night, like it was today, and we got a uh, Pagan and uh, Ramon Hernandez was there, and all, all those guys, and Willie Stager, Sanguillen, you know, that, that, that team were loaded, Al Oliver, Bob Robertson, Descartes, that you told me that you know him good, you know, Mill May, and Sanguillen, you know, that was his uh, Clemente's body. Yeah. And we just, uh, like, everybody was like uh, Jackie Hernandez, you know, yeah. uh, was there, and, and everybody was like, uh, what's going to happen, John, you know? Yeah. Again, talking about 73, the difficulty of really the emotions, you know, going through every ball player's mind, knowing they are no longer going to see Clemente in right field. I'm looking at you right now through the Zoom call, and I could see the emotion really on your face, especially when you were talking about December 31st, the days after, talking about 73, hearing the Puerto Rican national anthem. But, Fernando, I'm going to ask you something because I'm sure – when you had an opportunity to be with Roberto in the clubhouse or off the field, what are just some things that he shared with you, Fernando? You know, because I'm going to even ask you this. Any advice that he shared with Fernando Gonzalez that you to this day still remember? Well, I was asking, always I was asking him questions. You know, since I was a kid, I just want to talk to the good ball players. And when I was to Roberto, I had a chance to talk to him. And I was asking questions, how you do this and how you do that. And I remember something that is one of the best uh, uh, writers of the United States. Uh, he, he won a Pulitzer. Uh, he wrote uh, books about the president of the United States. And all that stuff. He came down 
to Puerto Rico. He made an appointment with me. He was going to write a book about Clemente. He okay. wrote it. Okay. And I remember I, I, I was in Chicago. Ferguson Jenkins, great pitcher with a great light that is pitching. Roberto is hitting in the first at bat. And Ferguson throw him a slider with two strikes, and Roberto took it. And he didn't swing at the ball. And then I say, why? You know, next inning, as soon as Roberto came back to the to the bench, I asked, hey, Roberto, what, why you didn't swing at that pitch? I know you hit the ball good, slider to right field. Why you didn't swing at it? He said, you'll see. you see what's going to happen later on in this game. I say, okay, in about the seven innings, we're losing the game, I get by, by a couple of runs from Roberto to hit with a couple of men on base. What do you think that, that Ferguson Jenkins threw to him? That slider that he took in the first at bat and he hit a homer to right center. He said, that's why I didn't swing at that first pitch in the first inning because I know if the game was on the line, he was going to throw it to me at the end of the game. You know, he knew exactly what he was going to do the whole game and the you know you always say somebody have a bad night oh i had a, i never saw clemente had a bad night never never not even in spring training he always uh knew how he was going to do he was serious about it and i never saw him never look bad like a computer playing baseball you know he did so many <laughs> things by that time that nobody do it right now because uh you know he was a uh, he was uh, he was so it's, was perfect. You know, he was uh, unbelievable. And then, uh, like I told you, he teaches. He teach me so many things about hitting, about his swing the bat, about take swinging the bat. And he used to he use one of the big bats, about 36 Pittsburgh. They use almost everybody he used the like K44, San Guillen, Clemente, uh, uh, the third baseman, yeah. uh, the third baseman uh, Herner. Yeah, they all used big bat. And I started using the big bat myself. I used to use a 34. I ended up using the big 36. All those guys used those big bats. The only one I remember that I used P92 was uh, uh, Oliver, Alan, 34. Okay. Yeah, I used a small bat and they catch you, use a smaller bat. But Renny Stennett, all those guys, when he came to the to the team, they all used the K44, what they were big bats. And, and I tell you, uh, I learned so many things that we could be talking until tomorrow to the, the things that I used to <laughs> the, the way well, he used to work out and do everything. Since he arrived to the ballpark, after the game, I used to tell him, Roberto, 10 minutes are you already dressed? He said, well, I've been doing this for 16 years. You know, uh, unbelievable. Well, I, I, I'll tell you, Fernando, you'll appreciate this story because I did share it before for our listeners. I just shared right now about Friggy Jenkins is exactly when I spoke to Lou Brock at an event in Pittsburgh. And I went over to Lou Brock and I said, Lou, you know, Danny Torres introduced myself and I said, do you have anything on that you could share about uh, Roberto Clemente? He put a smirk on his face and he said, I got a story for you. 1971 All-Star Game. Exactly what you said, how Clemente would set a pitcher up. He would take a pitch for a call third strike, and he goes to the dugout, and he tells Lou Brock, if he throws me that pitch again the next time I'm up, or whoever throws me that pitch, because yeah. you know pitches talk with someone yeah. that's going to come in, yeah. exactly what Mickey Lolich did. He threw the same pitch, because someone doing some scouting there, and Roberto yeah. hits a home run in the 1971 All-Star Game. So it proves the story that you share is exactly a carbon copy of what Lou Brock said to me so many years ago. So, Fernando, that is truly an unbelievable story, and it's the truth. So, Fernando, you have a son that I look forward to meeting that continues to play baseball. Would you say everything that you learned from Clemente and the advice that he shared with you? And then, of course, you post your baseball career, becoming a coach, having an opportunity to take Bernie Williams under your wing. And look what ended up happening with Bernie Williams. What's the best advice do you feel you've given your son as now that he plays baseball? Well, the, the first thing that I tell him that he, he got to love what he do. You know, he got to, I, I, I told him what Clemente, the way he worked out. The way he planned himself, the way he, you know, he he, he called his the right field like his office. You know, Roberto, before he went to right field, he knew exactly 
every part of the field, you know, he know where he's going to go, where he was going to be, how the ball was going to bounce all over the place and all that stuff. And I always tell him, you got you to gotta be smart on the field. You got to know where you're going to be playing. You got to know your office. That's the, the position that you're going to play. And the other thing is when he's going to swing the bat, he always like hitting the ball in his front foot. And all the the, the, the guys that, that teach him, they always want him to stay back. And I said, I told him, check Roberto Clemente. You know, like in the World Series and every time they got clips. Roberto used to hit in the front foot and used to hit the ball out to right center and all over, you know, just and you don't remember. He would he would hit he would hit with authority. He would hit with authority. Yeah. And then he was leaning and hitting the ball in his front foot. I said, if Roberto did it, and that most of the good hitters do it. I, I'm not comparing you with Roberto Clemente, but that's the way you hit the ball. And that's the, the best way you do it. You just keep doing it until you, you know, until you don't become a, a good hitter. You're always a good hitter. You got to swing the bat. And well, that's one of, of the things. Just keep doing it because I know Roberto did it. And I did it myself a lot too. I was hitting my uh, the ball in my front foot, hitting to right field. And that's when you are a good hitter because you follow the ball until the, the last minute. And the other thing is the way he think about baseball. He got to be smart. I was 5'8", uh, uh, 160 pounds. So I had to be smart to compete with the other guys. It was 6'1", six, 6'2", six, that hit the ball uh, 450 uh, feet. So I, I considered myself a smart ball player. That's what I get a chance to get to the big. Like, okay, I have to hit. And I became a good hitter because I was smart. And I, I put to work all of the things that I learned from Roberto, from San Guillen. There was a bad boy hitter, they said. Uh, Jose Pagan, he was a great hitter. All the guys from Pittsburgh, Willie, Stagger, you know, Kind, Davali. You know, they got so many guys over there sure. that well, I can mention. You, had, you had, had some amazing teachers there. Uh, Fernando, I wanted to ask you, with baseball today, is there a team that you watch now currently in Major League Baseball? Is there a favorite team? And and Fernando, secondly, what is your take now with baseball in 2022? We hear this word now, analytics. We're talking sabermetrics. We're talking launch angle. We're talking every imaginable term that wasn't used in your generation 50 years ago. And so much is talked about because so much is now being dictated through a computer. So what is, do you have a favorite team or what, what's your thoughts on today's baseball? Yo, I, I see a lot of game from Pittsburgh. That is a guy in Pittsburgh that I talk to him all the time during the games. He works for the Pirates. His name is Joe Villaduc. Yeah, Joe Bill. Yeah, he's the alumni director, yes. I never see him in person. I went there and he took care of me because my son was going to college in Pittsburgh. And uh, I went to the ballpark and uh, I, I just, he gave me some uh, ticket to go to the ballpark. I, feel like I always, when I see the games, I always will talk to him about guys when I see the games. Uh, we talk about the guys that are coming up and in the minor leagues and I call him during the game and, okay, they're going to be playing, you know, it's tough to Pittsburgh to compete now. They don't have the millions of dollars that the other guys but they always develop good ball players. They can't keep those players because obviously from arbitration, eventually they want to make more money and they go elsewhere. But the Pirates have had a long, long list of some really great, great, great players. I, I was the, I was the, the, the Yankees a lot too. Okay. I, not I, my I, Mets? I, not you, my Mets, you, Fernando? You, you don't watch you, my Mets? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you, got, you know, I always like the Mets. But especially now, they got Diaz, they got Lindor. They yeah. are, got know, some Bori, we got Lindor. some Boricuas there. We got some Boricuas there. And I, I, I like to watch the teams that, that they got all the Latins. I, I watch Houston a lot because they got uh, Tuve. Uh, they got all those Latin guys. And they got uh, uh, behind the plate, uh, Maldonado. And they brought Vasquez. And they used to have uh, uh, Carlos Beltran. Carlos Beltran, I put the good word for him with Kansas City. And Kansas City signed him. So he made me look pretty good. Because okay. I told I, I, he worked out with me one night in Manatee Double A, and I saw this young guy. He was a brother of a player that I that I used to manage in Manatee, and I saw Carlos in center field. He was a, a, a young guy, and when I saw the guy that night, I said, "Bring it over." 
because he was not part of the team. He was a young guy who was going to go to the game with his brother. Yeah. With a, with a, and I saw him hit, say, run to first base. He run to first base. I hit him some fly balls. He was picking everything. After the game that night, I called Brian Murphy, who played with me that year that I was the MVP okay. in the minor leagues. He was the second baseman of the Sherbrooke Pirates. And I played third base that year. I said, then he, but by this time, he, he was the, 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 the assistant of the GM in the big league of Kansas City. I remember maybe 10 o'clock in the night or 11 o'clock after work, I called him. He said, listen, I saw a guy tonight and I'm going to compare him with Bernie Williams. Wow. He's a young guy. By that time, maybe Carlos was about 6, 17, something like that. Yeah. And I told him, he's going to be as good outfield like Bernie. He's going to run as good as Bernie because I know he's going to fly. Right now, he's very skinny, but I think he's going to be a good hitter. And throw it, he got a gun. Bernie, you know, he didn't have a strong arm. That yeah, yeah. A couple of days later, they signed him, Carlos. They give him a bonus. I talked to, they called Johnny Ramos. He was the scout in Puerto Rico. And they signed Carlos Bertrand to Kansas City. And then they, we brought him to Arecibo Lobos, Carlos, that he started with Arecibo Lobos in Puerto Rico. And now, you know, that I hope that Carlos go to the Hall of Fame. This sure, year. yeah, this year, this year. Um, you know, Fernando, it's 50 years. Next year, it's going to mark the 50th anniversary of Roberto Clemente's induction into the Baseball Hall of Fame. So just imagine if Carlos Beltran is the first ballot Hall of Famer, he's going in on the 50th anniversary of Roberto's induction. So it'll be it'll be curious to see. And I hope, Fernando, that you'll be in Cooperstown because I will definitely be there. But, you know, there's been a movement for a number of years of retiring Roberto's number throughout Major League Baseball. And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that retirement, which we hope that will one day happen uh, for the great Roberto Clemente. Your thoughts on retiring his number? You know, everybody knows that that, that number should be retired, you know. Well, I, I don't like it to retire because I want to see on the everybody's back. You know, that's a lot of play, players that they use it. Yeah. Number 21, one of them was uh, Carlos Delgado, always used number yeah, 21. Yeah. And a, lo a lot of guys, Candy Maldonado, and a lot of guys always use number 21. Jackie Robinson, you know what he means to baseball. Yep. And he was a great ball player. He was an example of everything that we went through yeah. to survive in this sport of baseball. You know, that was not easy, yeah. especially uh, at the beginning of baseball. And yeah. Roberto is for us, like Jackie Robinson was for the uh, other guys that played before me. He was somebody special, you know, that we all follow him, we all learn from him. And I think the same way they did with Jackie Robinson, he was great. Roberto Clemente was a great uh, guy on the field and off the field, and he deserved the same honor. I'm not comparing Clemente with uh, Jackie Robinson, but they were great examples, and they were great, and they means a lot for a lot of people, you know, and I think they deserve to retire his number like they did with Jackie. They both mean so much for baseball that he, that he should get his number retired like Jackie got his. Kudos to everything that you just said, uh, Fernando, and uh, it's great to hear that you are involved with uh, the Clemente Foundation, which I do see the uh, shirt, Roberto y su amigos, and Fernando, once again, de mi corazón, thanks to Luis Mayoral for uh, making the connection and that you're here to not only talk about what you did about that unfaithful night uh, there in um, in Puerto Rico, but to talk about that legacy that Roberto has left for all of us. So Fernando Gonzalez, mil gracias, and thank you so much for being a part of the Talking 21 podcast. Well, say to you guys to have me, and you know, I'm in Puerto Rico, and I'm going to be talking about Roberto as long as I stay alive. It's too bad that we don't have about three or four hours to keep talking about the great Roberto Clemente. Yes. Gracias, Fernando. Que Dios te bendiga y felicidades. Bueno, Fernando, thanks so much and mil gracias for sharing your baseball journey and especially how Roberto Clemente impacted your life. How fortunate you were to have met such a great human being and mentor during the early days of your career. In my 20 years as a freelance writer, 
I've been fortunate to have interviewed many individuals who knew Roberto Clemente quite well. But I'm sure it's also bittersweet. There's a feeling of sadness, but at times a smile and even laughter will emerge when reminiscing about playing alongside of him or having a fun conversation off the field. The commonality is always the same. How he cared so much for the less fortunate and being so vocal on social issues. He was a true leader. I only wish I could have met him. What questions would I have asked? Who was the toughest pitcher you face? Your throwing arm, your unorthodox batting stance, the first time you saw Monty Irvy play in Puerto Rico. Was Pancho Coim better that good? And finally, did Doc Ellis teach you how to rip the media with such colorful metaphors? Because he told me. But now I want to take this moment to thank our Talking 21 listeners from New York City and close to 27 states where our podcast episodes have been listened to at home, in the office, or on the road. Outside of the USA, we also know we have a few who have sent us goodwill messages as well. I want to also thank and take this moment to say gracias, thank you to our executive producer, Ras Guevara. This podcast dedicated to Roberto Clemente was his idea. I appreciate his unwavering faith in me or what I was able to do as a podcast host. The folks at Our Esquina, Senor Bezo, my favorite and former social media manager, who for almost two years handled everything on the Talkin' 21 media platform. Of course, my immediate family, my lovely wife and two daughters, and especially my youngest, thank you. So be sure to follow me on Twitter at DannyT21. And please write us a review and click some stars. Five would be very cool. We hope to be back for 2023, but as they say, you never know. Finally, as we approach another year, let's all take a brief moment to bow our heads, say a prayer on December 31st, 2022, at approximately 9.21 p.m. This world of ours lost an extraordinary player. Rest in peace. Good night, buena noche, and long live Roberto Clemente.